My name is Pastor Derek. If you don't know who I am, I'm the lead pastor at Connect. And uh, we've been, we've basically been in a series. But we we kind of teach the Bible like in layers and unpack a little bit more each and every week. And we're in the fourth kind of installment in a series we've entitled Hope. And kind of the premise has been that everybody has a story and God wants to use your story for for his glory, for God's glory. And for three weeks, we've just been taking people that are like kind of right in the middle of, you know, our community and telling their story and just helping you see that there are people just like you that are going through it. I don't know about you, but during the holidays, it's not necessarily that there's a greater quantity of problems, opposing circumstances, stances, rigors of life and trials and stuff. It's just that they f- you feel it more. They're, the volume's up on it. And I don't know, you know, what you feel like, but I know as a pastor, I get to sometimes, you know, we're kind of in the problem business. <laughs> and we sit kind of front row and center on some things. So I feel sometimes the weight of the church more and weight of kind of our community more during the holidays. So I know you're feeling it. And I know this is relevant to people that are out there. And so we decided we want to infuse or inject in the middle of this kind of trying time hope. And some people don't know what hope is. Some people think hope is just, you know, like a, a blind optimism. Some people it's a, it's a wishful thinking. Some people think it's just a goal or kind of a, a future expectation. But we unpacked what hope was over many weeks and came to realize that the scripture has a lot to say about hope. That hope is, uh, it says in Hebrews, an anchor for your soul. And the, things, the thing that's interesting about hope is if you don't have it, it's the worst kind of sickness of all. In other words, Worse than, and I, I'm not saying this isn't bad, it's bad, I hate it with a passion, but worse than cancer, worse than financial loss, worse than a hopeless marriage as we talked about in week one, worse than a, you know, a physical tragedy, a potential physical tragedy where a, a husband and wife were told that you, know, you need to terminate your baby and if you don't, you could die too. And, and as we discovered last week, you know, loss of a son you know, through an accidental overdose. We talked about real Issues. That's how we roll at Connect, and because we think it's better to handle it in here than to just kind of try to figure it out out there. And so today we're gonna we're gonna go a little bit deeper because if your heart is sick, Proverbs says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. In other words, you thought it was gonna be like something else. You you expected a different you know endpoint. You you didn't think you'd be here and you wouldn't have you know, a healthy relationship. You didn't think you'd be here and you wouldn't have the wherewithal to go forward. You didn't think you'd be here and would still be struggling with your purpose. You didn't think you'd be here and you'd be struggling with this. Your hope was deferred. And so the Bible says your heart was sick. And, and I want you to know that God has an answer for that. And the interesting thing is that the God you serve doesn't provide hope just before or after, but he provides hope right in the middle. He's the God of in the middle. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about a little bit today. In fact, the Apostle Paul, and this is in your worship guides or if you're following along in version, for those of you who like to take notes, it says this in 2 Corinthians 1, it says, Praise be to God our Father, Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. Everybody say, all my troubles. You don't need comfort unless you're facing a problem. So that means... God is inferring that there's going to be troubles. There's going to be problems. He's saying, I I, I didn't, you know, make life just a rose garden. Everything's just going to be perfect. I'm going to show you where I am in the middle of where you are and reveal myself to you. And Paul talked about this a lot. He's kind of like a a super Christian in our faith. And he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he said this in 2 Corinthians 1. He said, we don't want you to be uninformed. In other words, we're going to spell it out 
crystal clear. Hey, guys, we suffered like you in, in a province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, our hearts, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. He was feeling such pressure, such trouble, such problems that he wanted to check out. That's what I love about the Bible because it's incredibly real. It's not just, some people think it's a book of fairy tales. Actually, it's a book of real life stories. And so Paul's like, I didn't think I could make it. I didn't know how I was going to overcome. But you know what? God provided comfort. And what did he do? It says this, but this happened. Everybody say, but. Some butts are good. Some butts are bad. Turn to your neighbor and say, your butt's good. No, don't say that. I'm just kidding. Don't say that. Just seeing if everybody's paying attention. It says, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. So sometimes the circumstances that you're facing, sometimes the problems that you're going through right now, God actually didn't cause it, but he wants to use it to teach you to rely on him, not on yourself. And a lot of times I think the enemy of our soul, he's duped us into thinking we got it. We can handle it. Uh, you know, I'm all right all by myself. I got a song that's going through my head, and I'm going to resist singing it right now. So basically, God wants to be there for you in the middle. And today, we have a story of two people who haven't come through it. They were here in the first service with many, many guests from the community, and, and they're in the middle of it right now. And I want you to hear Jason and Gloria's story. I hope you enjoy. Hi, I'm Jason. And I'm Gloria. We're the Van Buskirks, and this is our story for God's glory. Well, uh, the, the first part to our story is uh, behind the scenes. It was March 2012. Uh, we had just uh, started getting ready to, uh, you know, give a, give a story to our, our little girl, Emma. And uh, she was at the time uh, just about a year and a half and we wanted to really do something for her to, you know, raise her uh, with, you know, good morals, good values. Uh, I was originally raised a, a Catholic, um, not really practicing. The minute I could say, see you later, church, I, I did. Uh, and uh, I, I just wanted to raise her right. Um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do it. Uh, but I just started to get that feeling as, as a father. And... Ironically enough, uh, right around that same time, my wife Gloria came home um, and said, "You know, I, I have I have something I want to share with you." Um, Kathy uh, Mooney would like us to go to church with her um, to an event, um, and it happened to be. Uh, you know, a big event for her, a big deal for her, and uh, we didn't really know anything about it. So Gloria said, well, do you want to go? And I, I said, yeah, sure. You know, let's, let's check it out. Uh, it, was, it was that day that I, I knew that, you know, um, this, is, this is what it was all about. I went in and, and it happened to be here um, that day that, that they were changing the name. And um, it was it was just so incredible the the atmosphere and, and the excitedness and everybody here. Um, but what blew me away uh, was the man that got on the stage, who happened to be a friend of mine that I knew from the gym. Um, I didn't really know that he was a pastor. I didn't know 
what he was about. I just knew that he could lift a lot of weight. <laughs> and and what came out of his mouth was um, so much stronger than the weight that, that he could lift. Um, what he was able to, to exemplify on the stage uh, just resonated. It was just, it, it just connected to, connected with me at a different level. So I was immediately drawn and I left that day wanting to go back every day, uh, every Sunday. So we talked about it and um, what was your feeling? I was not quite as drawn to the church. I was uh, baptized, but I was not raised religiously. My parents um, did not follow any faith. Um, my sister is not baptized, um, but my parents did allow me to go to church. Um, it was a Catholic church, but they allowed me to go to church with my neighbor, who was my one of my best friends at the time, and whenever I wanted to, um, which I thought was really neat. Um, so I felt that they allowed me to kind of choose you know how I wanted to live my life and I appreciated that and however I did want to um, I wanted to you know I wanted to you know help Jason and you know help him follow whatever he wanted to do I wanted to give him the opportunity to try it out and I believed in his faith and I I just I love him and um, and because I loved him so much I really really wanted to um, I don't know just see what it was all about yeah I I was willing to try it out. We, so. we tried it out for three months. <laughs> and Gloria finally came to me uh, in, you know, I, I forget, it was it was during the week at some point, you know, it was before that next Sunday morning service. And, and she came to me um, very upset, uh, approached me and said, you know, I, I really have something I need to talk to you about. I've been wanting to talk to you for a while now. And... I don't want to go to church anymore. And I was, I was like, well, why? It, 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 it hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, something that I was so <clears throat> dear to me that I was starting to really love and get into. And I just had the impression that she also was getting a lot out of it. And the whole time she wasn't. It just, uh, I felt like it was taking away from the very little time that we had to spend together. And because it wasn't as dear to me as it was to him, I was willing to give it up. But it, I was so afraid to tell him that because it was so dear to him. And I, 
I was afraid that he was going to, um, I was afraid he was gonna leave me because I didn't want to go to church anymore. I was really afraid of that. And I actually told my parents that and my sister that. And, um, and I, but I had to tell them because we are, we tell each other everything. We're honest about everything. And I told him and he honored that. And I felt horrible about it, that he was willing to give it up. And, but it showed me how much he loved me. And um, it just showed, I don't know, it just showed us each other. I don't know, it showed each other how much we loved one, one another, that we were both willing to honor one another. And I don't know, that he, I was willing to go to church, but he was willing to give it up. And um, that was that, we stopped going to church. Now we're in October of 2013. Uh, we complete our first half marathon together. And, and things are fine. Things are floating along just fine. Um, this that was awesome. That was my passion. Was He liked, um, he enjoyed waiting lifts, which is how he met Pastor Derek. And I enjoyed running, so he pulled me into lifting weights and I pulled him into running. So we started um, doing marathons and that was our passion. That was something we loved to do together. Um, so exercising was- Our connection. A, yeah, was our connection. And, and we started to see that, you know, we, we weren't obviously losing common ground. Um, but we didn't really have it. We, we had experienced the church life, or at least I did, and I felt like we were really starting to connect, and then <clears throat> we, we started to drift apart, um, and we used exercise as our, our connection, our common ground. <clears throat> uh, December rolls around, December 8th actually rolls around, and we had gone on a Christmas shopping date. Um, extremely fun. Um, the next Sunday, uh, I would go for a long run, um, a super long run, a marathon long run type of deal. And uh, I got home after about two hours and, and she wasn't feeling that well. And I remember that. I remember not feeling well. I remember saying to Jason, my stomach is killing me. It is worse than, it was worse than contractions. It, it was nothing like I'd ever felt. And I handled pain pretty well. And I said, Jay, something's not right. We called my mom and she said, go to the hospital, I'll meet you there. So we went to the hospital and they... And here I am thinking on December 10th, actually 11th, that um, we're just gonna go to the ER. They're gonna tell her that she's fine. 
Um, we'll be home by sometime in the morning. She'll be on medication and life will be resuming as normal. That's, that's clearly not what was about to happen. This is just a quick story, because um, there's many of them, of how God was just in our life. Um, and at the time, I, I recognized it right away. Uh, and I, I leave the hospital, I give Glow a kiss, and I had actually spent uh, a half hour laying in the bed next to her, because uh, she had asked me to. So I leave the hospital and I get across the street and I don't have my keys. I said, okay. So I get back into the hospital and retrieve my keys and make a joke with her and I, I leave. Everything's fine. I get down the hallway. I go to take a turn for the elevator and I hear help, help, somebody help. I'm like that's not coming from Gloria's room. And so, but I had stopped completely. Turned around, I thought about going back, but then I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna go home. I'm coming right back. So I started to walk a little bit further, and then one of the nurses that ran past me noticed me and said, Jason, it's coming from Gloria's room. Well, of course, my heart stopped. I dropped everything. I, I ran, ran for the room hard, and um, my wife of... Um, what we were going on four years, we're gonna be celebrating five next month. But my wife, 27 years old, perfectly fit, Zumba four times a week, just finished a half marathon, uh, just finished the turkey trot, um, just, just so, so fit, so incredibly healthy, just trotting along just fine, uh, is having a grand mal seizure in the hospital room. And, <laughs> If you've never experienced a loved one going through a grand mal seizure for the first time, you don't really know what to think. Um, you have no idea um, of what what's happening, what's what's going on, what's a, what's what are things going to be like. Everything's just racing through your head. One of the nurses grabs me quick and says, come over here to her head. Um, you know, she's, she, she's going to want to hear your voice. I said, okay. So I ran over next to her and, you know, I'm still dressed in my, you know, I got my winter hat, my leather jacket. I'm, it's December, I'm going outside and I'm, I'm sweating like crazy because I'm just, I'm nervous, I'm scared. And my wife's just, she had finished a full body convulsion. It lasted about two minutes. And I, I, uh, I just get down right next to her. And I just kept telling her it was gonna be okay. And, and that, that was, that was the, that was the first time. So we transferred out of Framingham and went up to Beth Israel in Boston. Uh, we arrived there on December 14th, and I thought, "Gosh, this is a this is a great place." Um, just everything, looking around, the instruments they had, the equipment they had, you just you felt like you were uh, you were in outer space. And and 
that first week while she was in the ICU uh, was one of the hardest weeks of my entire life. Um, I, I didn't really know what to think. Uh, I actually stayed that entire week in the hospital. I would go to my friend's house down the street to take a shower. And he would drive me back, and it was maybe one in the morning, two in the morning, three in the morning. Um, I would have those similar conversations late at night with with another one of my friends who, um, who was my, you know, leader to to God, and said, "Look, Jay, you need to pray. You need to pray hard. You need to read the Bible. You need to get your book in there, and and just focus on Him right now because He's going to be the only one that's going to help you through this." And it certainly wasn't ironic, um, and it certainly wasn't a coincidence. That relationship that I had made with Pastor Derek uh, a year and a half prior, and it was almost as though he picked up where he left off, where we left off. And he called me that first week, and I'm on the bridge in the ICU on the sixth floor, and he says, you know, for an hour, for an hour, he he spoke the word of God right into me, and, and it was right then that I I knew this this was everything was fine, everything was fine. I had I had strength, I had comfort, I had peace, and and here I was getting ready to embark on this journey of getting to know God on a much more personal level. I wanted to know how he was going to help me, how he was going to strengthen me, and most importantly, what he was going to be able to provide for my wife. Uh, the whole time, I'm asking questions, I'm advocating for my wife while she's unable to, to speak or talk or, or even open her eyes. I'm asking questions to the doctors, I'm doing research. I'm, I'm figuring out, trying to figure out on my own what's wrong with her, but, you know, af after a while of trying to do neuro neurological research, I, I just grow grass for a living, um, I I decided that, you know, hey, th this is this is up to God. This is, this is his plan. Well, it wasn't his plan that she was there, but he was going to use this to bring me closer to him. He was going to use this to, to ultimately bring us closer to him. And, and even though we had had our differences uh, maybe a year and a half prior about church, I knew that this instance here, he was going to help heal her both spiritually and physically. And what, what I saw before my eyes was was just so incredible. Um, things things started to change in me. Things started to change in her, for the for the physical, for the better. And I knew that I knew that he was. I knew that he had his hand in it. I knew the whole time. And I would I would go home every night and and pray hard. And I started coming back to church by myself. It was my place of. My place of comfort, but it was, you know, it's God's house. And I knew that being here um, to honor Him and to celebrate Him was 
was helping me ultimately and, and helping our family ultimately. Because um, that's, he wants, he wants glory. And that's, that's all I wanted to do was glorify him through the whole process. So things started to really, really improve uh, when when we were so uncertain for so long, and you know, at the time we still were, but things really started to change for the better. Uh, Lori opened her eyes. I remember the first thing I remember is looking up and seeing Jason my parents, my sister, and a lot of doctors standing around me, and just a bright light, and it was, I just can't even explain it. It's incredible what I experienced. Um, but, um, that's just the first thing I remember. Um, and I believe that that was God, um, connecting with me and, uh, just speaking to me and just telling me that it was going to be okay and letting me know that I was going to go home. And, um, to this day, I'm still figuring things out. Um, I love coming to church every Sunday. I, we look forward to it. We pray. Um, my family, my parents and my sister, they don't go to church. Um, they don't practice. Um, and I'm okay with that. And they're okay with me coming to church. Um, but this is what I need to help us through this. This is what has got us through um, this insane, insane, I don't even know, just insane thing. Her, um, early on in her rehab um, stay, she was consistently frustrated and would often ask, why, why me? Why, why did this happen? Yeah, I wanted, you know, I wanted to say, you know, I wanted it to be for a reason. I believe that God did this for a reason. I don't think this happened by accident. I think that God does, did this for a reason. Well, he uses I, this. He didn't do this. It, it, yeah. is mm. He's using it for a reason that it's to help others that you know, to help other people know that they're not alone. And, um, one of the hardest things, though, is, um, my children, that I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and they are, they've had a really hard time with this. And, um, that's been the hardest thing with me and with them. And, uh, you know, one week, my four-year-old loves me, you know, or not loves me, but um, really wants to hang with me. And next week, 
she doesn't and the next week my two-year-old wants to and that's been the hardest thing and so I just pray I pray and um, I know that God is gonna help us um, get through it I know it's not gonna be easy it's we still have a lot um, to go through and um, but I know that God is is here to help us I know that he is here and I just hope that my that what I've gone through and what we've gone through as a family is is being used to help others and I hope that it does so Tell you what, in the last 11 months, I learned that um, life is way more unpredictable than, than uh, you could ever imagine it to be. Uh, I was living the perfect dream. Uh, golf course superintendent, wife, two kids, house, dog. Um, we were marching along. And then we have a horrible medical situation thrown into the mix. Uh, we didn't crumble, um, and and you don't you don't have to crumble either. Uh, God's there to pick you up. He's there to hold you. He's there to keep you warm. He's there to keep you strong. He's there to give you wisdom and confidence when when you don't think you have anything at all in you. Uh, there were plenty of moments that I didn't feel like I I even had the words to ask or what to say. Uh, even when my own my own wife or kids would ask me why, I didn't know why either. And God was there to provide those for me. Uh, and and He's there. He's there for you too. He's there to provide that um, every time. You just have to ask Him. You just have to know Him. You just have to talk to Him and listen. Listen really carefully, because most of the time it's not audible. But. But he's there. The message is real clear. I hope that encouraged you just to hear from real people. You know, today's service is really dedicated to, to those of you maybe here, maybe listening online that just think, you know, I can't, I don't know if I can get another day. I can't make it a week, I can't make it a month. I certainly can't go another year the way things are. The circumstances or situation is hopeless. And a lot of times people are in the middle of the situation. Some facts about Gloria that you don't know, but she was in a medicinal coma for over four months. Uh, they had no explanation and still have no explanation for what's going on with her. Uh, she has gotten a lot better and things have improved, but um, they don't even know what to call it. They don't even know what to call it. And, and sometimes that's really how it is at the end of the day for all of us. Sometimes we just don't have answers. And the only, the only one that can help us through those questions that we seemingly can't get answered is sometimes the one that we implicate and sometimes the one we blame. In other words, why do these things happen? And I think it's a fair question to ask. I think it's an honest question to ask. I think it's okay to ask. Number, we, number one, I think it's okay to ask because Jesus, on his worst day, we call it Good Friday, but it was his worst day. He said, my God, my God, why? Why have you forsaken me? Like, where are you at? Where are you at, Big Daddy? I'm hurting down here. 
So it's okay to point your question to God, but it's not okay to implicate him in your difficult situation, circumstance, or trial. That's what we can learn from Jesus, and I think that's what we can learn also from Gloria and Jason. One of the things, this won't answer everybody's questions. It may even yield new questions, but I think there's different types of suffering in the world. And sometimes we don't understand its purpose, and I'm going to unpack something for you in a second, but sometimes we suffer for being associated with someone. There's what we call Christian suffering. We, we suffer sometimes as Christians, not so much in this country, for being Christ followers. It's Christian suffering. Sometimes we suffer consequential suffering. Sometimes we suffer because of our own mistakes. We know that. I made a mistake. There's a suffering for that. There's also a common suffering, a suffering that because we live in a cursed world, it's messed up, and we have this expectation that God's going to fix everything in this world, but really he's going to help us overcome in this world. And so in the word, God addresses this particular subject, and he says, there's a song we used to sing, we've been made more than conquerors, overcomers in this life. You can't be a conqueror or an overcomer if you haven't come over some stuff and conquered some stuff. Can I have an amen out there? And so God is saying to us through the scriptures sometimes, we're not going to have that, remember that dishwasher commercial, Calgon, take me away? He's not going to have, it's not going to, nobody remembers that. Remember Star Trek, beam me up, Scotty? I mean, come on, help me out here a little bit. You know what I mean? We're not going to have so much that going on in our life, in our Christian experience. Sometimes he's going to say, no, you stay right there and I'm going to help you through the situation. And I'm actually going to do something through you in the process. And what's interesting about life, and you know this about communication, husbands and wives, raise your hand if you're, if you're married. Some of you are like, I don't know if I want to admit it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> There's some good looking people in here. Uh, <laughs> but in your conversations with your spouse, sometimes you're having a conversation. And as a guy, we have a conversation with our wife and it's on the fact level. You know, it's on a factual level. The girls are having a conversation. It's on the feelings level. Feelings, whoa, 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 feelings. I just needed to let you know I can sing. And, and so these two things sometimes are not hitting each other because one's on a fact level and one's on a feeling level and sometimes they don't connect. The same is true sometimes in life and God is trying to connect with us and some, sometimes we don't connect. There's a earthly conversation going on that he's trying to have with us through life. And there's a heavenly conversation that God's trying to connect with us in this life. So there's many examples of this in the scripture. I'll highlight one in John chapter 3. Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. Now Nicodemus was a religious person and Jesus ultimately tells Nicodemus, hey listen, all that's not going to make you okay. You need to be born again. Nicodemus says, what are you talking about? You mean I need to go back into my mother's womb? Natural conversation earthly conversation. And Jesus says, no, you don't need to be born of water. You need to be born of the spirit. Well, what's that? And he says, and he tries to describe it to Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is having a hard time. Jesus used a great analogy. Hey, do you see the wind? Do you see where it blows? No, I don't. But yet you know it's there, right? Yeah, it's still real, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, if you can't understand this, you're going to have a hard time understanding what I'm really trying to teach you. And one of the ways that God tries to have a conversation with us and connect with us is through life and through trial, through difficulty, through sometimes seemingly hopeless situations. And what's interesting is that sometimes people are in these hopeless situations and one person turns away from God and one person runs to God in those situations. Maybe God's having a conversation with you and perhaps you'll look at your problem and instead, because you're having a heavenly conversation, you'll see it as an opportunity like in the case of Jason and Gloria. Sometimes you look at what's going on and you think, 
you know, God is, where's, this is a delay to this story. It needs to end. Whereas maybe it's a development of a story that's going to continue and there are many chapters still yet to be written. Sometimes you can, he's having a heavenly conversation with you and you see it as, you know, death and this life just ends and really it's sleep. And as, as Jesus talked about when he was talking to Lazarus in John chapter 11, or maybe you look at this life and it's all about the temporal, but to God, it's way beyond that. And as a father, he's way more concerned about the eternal than he is this short little life, you know, that's just like a mist, a vapor against the backdrop of eternity. And there's something sometimes that God wants to do in us and through us, and it happens in suffering. Look in your notes in Romans chapter five. This is kind of like a process. Last Sunday, we talked about a little bit about this process that gives us hope. Sometimes it's a promise, sometimes it's a place, but I want to talk a little bit about the process. And these are three characteristics of an overcomer. The first one is, and we saw this in Jason and Gloria because they're in the middle of it. They're just honest people in the middle. Gloria is clearly still in the middle of healing, all right? But they have perseverance. They have perseverance. Perseverance is all about endurance. A person who perseveres is someone who can remain under pressure. I have a song going through my head right now that I so desperately want to sing, but I won't. Um, some of you know what I'm talking about. It's okay. But, but perseverance is like, it's not a passive acceptance of the circumstance. It describes an attitude of just overcoming and pushing through and moving past things. It's, it's a person who sees crisis is not so much a great danger, but a great opportunity. A person sees things, they don't see rock bottom as the end of it all. They see as a foundation for maybe the rest of their life being built on something more solid or more secure. Hebrews says this, it says, so don't throw away your confidence. Context is when you're in trial. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you'll receive what he's promised. James says it like this, I love this. He says, blessed is the man who remains steadfast. Everybody say steadfast. That's that perseverance. Steadfast under trial. For when he stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God had promised to those who love him. So one of the characteristics of an overcomer is perseverance. The second characteristics of an overcomer is they have character. Everybody say character. This is all about maturity, a maturation process. Character is a tested value. It's, uh, it describes kind of an approved quality that was proven through testing and trial. It's this process. And what happens is the more testing that you experience, the more trial you experience, it, you begin to develop a certain kind of backbone and a, a certain actually kind of wit and intelligence about problems. Let me try to flesh it out for you real quickly. One, one example for me, for my wife and I, we've, we went through a lot of trial and difficulty. We had kind of some hopelessness in our marriage. And God has since not caused that, but used that to help other people. We had hopeless situations. We had, we had things that hit us that would take out most marriages, I promise you that. I'm not going to tell you all that, but some people know the whole story. We tell pieces of it just to be real. But God has used that to help other people. And now, when we help other people, here's what, here's what the enemy of our soul, and you may not believe in him, and that's okay, the devil, <laughs> you know, Diablo. <laughs> but we believe that the devil sometimes attacks us at the most opportune times to do the most damage. So we sometimes minister to couples. In February, we'll have a marriage retreat. And, you know, dozens and dozens of couples will go on this marriage retreat, as it does every year, right before every marriage retreat. Don't you know that the number one area that we come under attack is where? In our 
marriage, in our marriage. But we've gotten smarter. We've begun to mature through attack, through testing. We've learned how to outwit our enemy and be able to expose his plots and his ploys and the, the little sniper, the little satanic snipers that are out there like, we're going to mess you up. We're going to make you look bad. We're going to destroy your testimony. No, because we've begun to mature and develop character. Are you out there, everybody? James chapter 1, verse 2 says, consider it pure joy. What? My brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, this is cool. He says, because you know, that's referring to a relationship. It's referring to the process. It's referring to your character, that the testing of your faith, everybody say tests. You know, faith that isn't tested can't be trusted, my dad used to always say. The testing of your faith develops perseverance. Then what happens in the process? Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature. There's that character word, that mature and complete, not lacking anything. This is referring to that process. And instead of saying in your trial, in your difficulty, and I'm encouraging you with this, and I hope you walk away with this, instead of saying, why is this happening to me? Glow was saying that in the hospital for many, many months until she woke up and she had an encounter with God. And then she began to pursue God and pray with her husband to have her own relationship with God. And later came back to church and found more about God. This was a process for her. It's been a journey for her. And now instead of saying, why, 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 she's saying, what are you trying to do? What are you trying to show me? What do you want to do in me? And what do you want to do through me? That's what character That's what character does in your life. But it starts with perseverance, and then it goes to character. And, it, and, and think about it. If you prayed, if you got everything you ever asked for when you prayed to God, your life would be messed up, and he would be a really bad parent. Have you ever watched Bruce Almighty? Anybody watch Bruce Almighty, okay? Remember when he's up there at the computer and he's getting all the prayer requests in his ears and I can't take it and I can't take it and eventually he designs a program to say yes to everybody's prayer requests. Does anybody remember that? What happened? Chaos on the earth. God is a good God and he doesn't cause this stuff but he knows how to help people through it and overcome it ultimately and he's got a bigger plan sometimes than what you realize. So the third attribute of an overcomer is they have hope. And this is the most important one of all, and sometimes seemingly the one we minimize the most and sometimes the most evasive. This is all about eternity. In other words, the secret to this life is not to put too much stock in it. We hold on to this life so tightly, we get so upset about so many things, and I think God's like, forget about it. You need to move on. Quit, be, quit. I think God's up there. Quit being such a sucky baby. Quit being such a sucky baby. I think he's trying to get us to move on, making so much out of this life. I'm of the persuasion that while you're praying, God is answering your prayers. Sometimes he's up there and he's saying, try again, that's the wrong prayer. <laughs> I think sometimes he does that. But more often than not, I think he's answering your prayers one of a few ways. Here's our favorite one. He answers our prayers by changing the circumstance. Who wouldn't want God to heal Gloria? I think Jay prays that every day. Heal my wife. I mean, that's by far the favorite one. I think it's, I think it's a good prayer. I'd rather risk and, and, and believe than not risk and not believe. That's the preferred way. But sometimes it doesn't go like that. So what does he do? Sometimes he answers our prayer by giving us the grace to pull through the situation and the circumstance and the hopeless situation that we're facing. Why? Because the story's not finished yet. You're someday in your journey. It's not all about you. 
It's bigger than you. God wants to do something through you. Someday, and it's already happened for Jason and Gloria, it's already begun even before they shared their testimony. God is already using them to minister to people, not after everything's all worked out, but right in the middle because we serve a God who's not just the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. He's the God of them in the middle, and he wants to use people to show God overcoming, being more than conquerors in the middle of their circumstance. So sometimes he answers your prayers, and he gives them a grace, and you can see it on them. They have a grace. They came to church and most people would sleep through today. Most people would just, just stay home under the circumstances. Nope, we're going to be here because we want to help people. You have no idea what was involved to try to get them to church today. Epic. Epic. Hours and hours of prayer and preparation and multiple people try to make that because grace is upon them. Sometimes he answers your prayers by changing not the circumstance, but he changes you. So sometimes it's grace, perseverance, and then sometimes it's changing you, character. It's changing something in the side of you. Because here's the thing. Jason and Gloria, they didn't get this at first. I believe they believe with all my heart that if this didn't happen to them, they'd be, this is what New Englanders always say, I'm all set. You need anything? No, I'm all set. You need anything? No, I'm all set. Anybody know the phrase in New England, all set? How many say all set? You know, we say the same thing to God through our life every single day. I'm all set. You're not all set. You don't realize you're not all set. You know when you realize you're not all set? Until you face a hopeless situation. And God uses that hopeless situation to get you to realize you're not all set. You need me. And I'm going to use this, and if I fix it right away, you'll forget about me. You'll run. You'll go back to your own way. You'll be your own God. You'll think you got it. You'll dismiss and you'll minimize my intervention in your life. And I'm going to develop your character through this. And if you persevere, I'm going to mature you through this process. And once you go through this process, I'm going to show you the final phase. I'm going to answer your prayer sometimes, some way, and sometimes it only happens this way. And I'm going to answer it in heaven. Sometimes he answers your prayers. And we're all going to have this opportunity, maybe. We're going to get to heaven and go, Oh! Now I get it. Now I get it. Now I see. So really the third thing is about eternity. And we need to wear life like a loose garment. Our real hope is in heaven. That's why in Romans 5 it says hope does not disappoint. It will disappoint if you didn't experience perseverance. It will disappoint if you didn't let God develop your character. But if you persevered, if you let God mature you and develop you, you're going to experience hope, the kind of hope that doesn't disappoint you because you realize that the love of God has been shed abroad in your hearts. He's come here from heaven to earth to show you the way. The way isn't fix everything. Just bless me, bless me, bless me. His plan wasn't a bless you plan. His plan was a rescue plan. If he, if he performed a miracle, can I tell you something about miracles? They're just temporary. What happens in a year later? What happens 10 years later? What happens two months later? You're going to need another miracle. You're going to need another miracle. That's not his focus. He's a good dad, and he's trying to provide not a temporary solution, but a forever solution to your life. Can I have an amen? Can we give the Lord a hand clap for that? We've been made more than conquerors, overcomers in this life. Why don't you stand to your feet? I want to pray for you as we rejoice in what God has done at Christmas time. I want to say something to you. We're living right now on the main stage. In other words, this isn't like dress rehearsal. Life is not, remember this phrase, life is not a dress rehearsal. It's the real show. You got one shot at this life to make the most of this life. And sometimes, in some ways, and there's some situation where God is like, I'm trying to have a conversation with you. 
In fact, would you close your eyes and would you just kind of be still? Please, no moving around. Just be still. This is probably the most important next 120 seconds of the whole day. Just be still. Everybody be still. This is one of those things where I just pray, like sometimes for hours, that you can just have a minute in the presence of God where he speaks to you personally. That there can be one word, but it is personalized to every single person in this room. A private conversation. He's trying to have a heavenly conversation with you. Son, daughter, I know that you're facing hopeless situations. I know there's difficulties in your life. I'm the only one who can help you through those. I'm the only one that can restore unto you your joy. I'm the only one that can give you true peace. Not peace circumstantially, but joy, inner delight. And I want you to put your hope in me. It's an anchor for your soul. It's a confident expectation based on something that is actually real. But you're going to have to surrender your life to me first. You're going to have to turn over the wheel of your life. Maybe you're here today. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. Don't get, don't get nervous. Just, be, just listen. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? You can trust me. You can lean on me. But you're going to have to surrender your life to me today. If you know that he's speaking to you right now, you know he's calling you, he's standing at the door and he's knocking. Listen, the best thing you can do at Christmas is receive the gift, the free gift of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is a free gift. You can't earn it. You can't do a bunch of works and be okay. He's, it's a finished work. He did it all. Only he can do it. The only thing about a gift, this gift, by the way, is priceless. It's priceless, but it is worthless unless you open it. Every gift is worthless unless you open it. But if you want to receive the gift of salvation, you want to receive Jesus Christ, you want to receive eternal hope that's going to help you through the temporary situations that you face. And you know that's you? Would you raise your hand and say, PD, would you pray for me right where I am? Would you pray for me? God bless you. God bless you. Is there anybody else? I don't want to miss you. God bless you. God bless you. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you, sir, all the way at the back. God bless you. Is there anybody else? Raise your hand. Good. I don't want to miss you. God bless you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Church, would you, those of you that raised your hand and those of you that are here today, maybe you've already prayed this prayer. Maybe you weren't, you weren't willing to raise your hand. God loves you. He sees your heart. I want you to pray this prayer with me. This, will, this won't save you, but it will. But believe in your heart will. Say, Jesus, I open the door to my heart of my own free will and volition. I declare today on Christmas Eve, just shy of your birthday, I want that gift of salvation. I don't want to do my life by myself, alone. I give my heart to you. I pray that you take this heart of stone in accordance with your word and replace it with a heart of flesh, tender and sensitive to you, Holy Spirit. Save me in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You've received hope. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand clap all over the room. You've received hope by faith in Jesus' name.